Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. We very much so hope that you're enjoying this podcast, and we invite for you to join us online at fumc-rr.org for all of our church information. We also hope you join us on social media at fumcrr on all social media platforms. If you'd like to give to this podcast and other ministries, please text 44321 and follow the instructions. Again, we hope you have a very blessed week. And better yet, we hope to see you soon at the First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. Brad opened up um, our service with a prayer from the Psalms and um, as we just read, heard Steve read from Psalm 27, the Psalms have a way of being very authentic. And it's, there are real stories of real people dealing with complex issues in their lives. It talks about the joys and the struggles of life and there's no easy answers, it's just reality and trying to make sense of it and trying to bridge our faith to what's going on in our lives. And Psalm 27 is no exception. Psalm 27 was written by David, who was once the shepherd boy. Now he's a great warrior in the nation of Israel, and he is going through one of the most difficult times in his life. This particular psalm, like some of the others, are called cave songs because they are written by David hiding out in caves. King Saul was very jealous of David, and he had issued orders that David was to be hunted down and killed. And so David is on the run for his life, and he's in grave danger. And we get a glimpse, and we heard a little glimpse of that danger in the opening verses of our scripture lesson, where we read, um, when evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attacked me, though an army besieged me, though war broke out against me, David had every reason to be in the mountains, in the caves, running for his life, hiding out. It wasn't that uh, there was just an army. An army um, typically wages war against a nation or another country. In this case, there was an entire army that was waging war against David, and no wonder he was hiding in a cave, and this was, had to be one of the worst days of David's life. In fact, in verse 5, he labels it as that day of trouble, and I should say so. And um, So, on the worst day of his life, on his day of trouble, what would David pray for? What would he ask of God as his life is being hunted down, as evil men seek to destroy him, as an army wages war against him. What do you pray for when life and problems hunt you down? Well, David's prayer and David's desire absolutely stopped me in my tracks and shocked me when evil... Um, Men advanced against him when his enemies and his foes attacked him, when the army was besieging him, when a war was breaking out against him. This was his prayer. This was his desire. I'll put it on the screen for you. 
One thing, David writes, one thing I ask of the Lord, this will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. On his day of trouble, on the worst day of his life, David had only one request, and that was to be in God's presence. Now, I'm a very spiritual person, but that feels really impractical to me, right? In fact, the next thing he says, the reason for this is even more dreamy and out there for me. And it is what intrigued me as I read this psalm a few weeks ago during my devotions. It shocked me why David wanted to dwell in the presence of God. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I might dwell in his presence to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. David's one desire reflected Moses' great desire as Moses spent time in the holy places before God. And remember Moses' prayer to God, show me your glory. Let me see your face. Let me see your splendor and beauty. I think David's experience and Moses' experience reflect the heart cry of every single one of us. It's why we sang that song, How Marvelous, How Wonderful, His Face I'll Seek. We want to see the face of God. We want to behold the beauty of God in our lives. We want to gaze on God's beauty. Do any of you gaze at things? We all do, sort of, I think. Um, I'm not talking about... um, glimpsing at something. I don't think David was referring to glancing at God. We're not talking about peeking at something. We're not even talking about, hey, let's just scroll through things. Gazing lingers a little bit longer, and it can be particularly difficult gazing at people, especially strangers that we don't know. Did you know that the latest research tells us that we can only lock eyes with a complete stranger for 3.3 seconds before things begin to get a bit creepy. (laughs) I think we ought to practice and see if that's true. Do y'all mind? Of course you mind. We don't want to do it. It creeps us out when people lock eyes with us, especially if we don't know them. But gazing at people that we don't know may be creepy, but... Gazing at other things is natural and even necessary in our lives. I want to show you a picture of a sunrise that I took uh, last weekend on my trail run as I ran around the lake. I said, unfiltered, hashtag, right? It was so beautiful that I stopped, not because I was tired, which I was, but I stopped because it was so beautiful and it caused me to stand there in awe and even reverence. I think we're all stopped in our tracks now and then by things that are beautiful, whether it's a sunrise like this or a sunset shimmering over the mountains or whether it's the ocean breeze or um, whether it's a, a beautiful music like we heard this morning or art. There's things 
in our lives that cause us to stop and and stand in reverence and awe because there's something about them that are so beautiful. And there's other things that are beautiful, right? It might be if you're a golfer, that one perfect shot that you hit, you know, that might make you stand there in awe. Or if you're a hunter, maybe that trophy buck that you get, or it might be that big fish that you catch, right? Or it could be a Texas win over the long, you know, over Alabama, of course, right? That's a beautiful thing. I think all of us could, uh, that's all y'all are going to remember from today. I hope you hear about Jesus too. But the, honestly, some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life have been in Glacier National Forest. They've been in the delivery room watching the birth of our children. It was definitely seeing my bride walked down the aisle 45 years ago. Those kind of things cause us pause. They capture our attention and they capture our hearts. And if I asked you, you could share places and experiences in your own life that did exactly the same thing. Beauty does that for all of us. It captures us, stops us in our tracks. And there's a reason for that. It's because all beauty, I'm not talking about the perverted beauty of the world, but true beauty reflects the beauty of our creator. And it's ultimately meant to draw us to God and to cause us in reverence to give thanks to God. No wonder David's one desire was to be in the presence of God, to gaze on his beauty. He didn't need one more thing he needed the only thing that mattered in his life, and that was to be with God and gaze upon his beauty. So David, alone and isolated and running for his life in a damp and dark cave, took out his journal. And as he unwrapped the leather straps and took a piece of parchment in his hands, he began to write these words. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? David discovered that God was present with him in the cave and his heart was filled with courage and confidence. And David discovered as he gazed at the beauty of God that when we gaze at God's beauty, we not only see God differently, but we see everything and everyone differently as well. Dr. Richard Seltzer is a surgeon, and he's an author as well. And he wrote about a particular surgery he had performed on a young lady. She had a tumor on her face, and 
she, when she, he removed the tumor, he had to sever the nerves that controlled her mouth. And he writes about how her mouth was permanently disfigured because the nerve was cut. And he said the mouth had a palsy, even clownish look. And he was in the recovery with her, tending to her, when a young man walked into the room. He didn't know who this young man was, but he knew there was something special about him because of the generous way they touched one another, he wrote. And then the young lady asked the doctor, will my mouth always look like this? And the doctor said, yes because the nerve was cut. And a somber silence fell over the room and upon her uh, face. And then all of a sudden, the young man standing by her bedside said, I kind of like it. I think it's cute. And then that young man leaned in to kiss her. And Dr. Seltzer says, when he did that, I knew that this young man was her husband. And he says, as he writes, I was so close, I could see him moving and shaping his mouth to conform perfectly to hers. So that as they kissed, she would realize that their kiss still worked. And the surgeon was deeply moved, and he writes, and I, I held my breath and let the wonder in. When we see God's beauty, especially that beauty expressed in love, it does take our breath away. When we see God's beauty, we look at everything and everyone differently. Our world hungers for that kind of beauty. My friend Ryan Flanagan, um, check him out on Spotify. He's an accomplished musician and composer and worship leader. And I was overjoyed to hear that he had been appointed at Baylor University um, as the artist in residence. Um, and he's housed in the seminary there. And um, he, his job is to help design uh, chapel services and also to help the students connect their faith to art and education. It's a great job, he says. It's kind of dreamy, he said. And then in his Facebook post, as he talked about um, his new job, he said something that really intrigued me, that I think you'll find very interesting this morning. He was talking with another professor, a long-term professor, who is now an administrator, and this is what, the admin, this is what he writes. He's, Ryan said, an administrator recently said to me, I was trained to answer the question, what is true? But the students are asking, what is beautiful? Did you hear that? 
As a professor, he was trained to answer the question, what is true? But the question the students were asking was, what is beautiful? And then Ryan says, as an artist and a practitioner, I'm charged with helping students recognize what is beautiful and to bring beauty into the world. Nothing could be more correct. The generation that lives today our world today is less interested in us proclaiming the truth to them. They want us to first show them what beauty looks like, to show them what truth lived out looks like. They're looking at our lives. They're looking at the way we love others to catch a glimpse of the beauty of heaven in the world. And I think that is all of our great calling as the body of Christ to portray that beauty. The great uh, 19th century Russian novelist uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky was on to something, I believe, when he said, beauty will save the world. And what he meant by that in, is in, just like in our t- world today, that we, there's so much hatred and there's so much division going on in that world, that our world is starved for something more. That if we're willing to live our lives in a way, in a beautiful way, then our lives will actually, uh, and our love will cut through arguments and cut through barriers that tend to separate us. I don't believe that there's a more powerful expression or a more beautiful way to embody the love and mercy and grace of the kingdom of God than in the cross of Jesus Christ. Does not that not tell the world what God is like, like nothing else can. When we look at the suffering and sacrifice of our Jesus with his arms outstretched for all of us, are we not drawn to that beauty and that kind of love? Our world starves for that self-giving, sacrificial love. And I'm convinced when we dwell in God's presence in our lives, when we spend time in our souls gazing on the beauty of God, then that beauty and that presence is reflected in our lives to others, in the way we live, in the way we treat others. It's reflected in the kindness and the generosity and in the humility and the servant heart and the self-sacrificing posture of our lives. It's rare And it's beautiful, and the world can't help but be drawn to it. I believe I see glimpses of that kind of beauty every single day in the life of our church. You know, if it was the curtains were pulled back, you would be surprised, or probably not, that in this worship space today are Republicans and Democrats. There's actually liberals and conservatives in this one place, lifting one voice to worship and praise our God. It's rare in this world, and it's a beautiful thing and a necessary thing. That kind of beauty will save the planet. I'm convinced of it.
It's also astonishing to me, as Brad was talking about at the beginning of our service, how we gather around one table for a meal. Sometimes that one table is on Wednesday night as we break bread together, and other times that table is the table of the Lord that we break the bread of heaven together. But at that one table are white people and black people, Native Americans and Pacific Americans and Asian Americans, people of every conceivable nation and language. They all gather around this one table. And not only at those tables, but at tables that are surrounded by their brothers and sisters in Christ as they study the Word of God together and study what it means to love and live like Jesus did. It's a beautiful thing. They actually like each other. It's incredible to me that in this one place of worship where there's Longhorn fans and Aggie fans, God bless you, (laughs) Red Raiders in our midst, and there's even some Sooner fans among us. It's a beautiful thing when these people from all walks of life will gather with one heart and mission to the world to take care and become the expression of God's love to the hungry and needy in our community. It happens every single day. Those same people will be in mission, helping out the elderly and the disabled in our community every single day. They'll be tending to traumatized children and their families. And you just heard this morning, they'll be leaning in to love the world by breaking generations of uh, economic challenges and struggle. It's a beautiful thing. And when we live like that and we love like that, it's so rare and so beautiful that the world can't help but stop in its tracks and take notice. No wonder St. John writes these words. Let me put it up on our screen for us. John writes, no one has ever seen God. Nobody knows what God looks like. Nobody's ever seen God face to face. No one has ever seen God. Then John continues, but if we love one another, God lives in us and is made complete in us. When we live and love like Jesus lived and loved, when in heaven and on earth becomes a reality for us, we reveal God to the world. So whether you're having your worst day or whether you're having your best day, ask for the one thing. Dwell in the presence of God and gaze upon his beauty. When you and I do that, our hearts will be filled with courage no matter 
what we are facing. And as we gaze on the beauty of God in our lives, and we choose to live that beauty out, the world will not only gaze at us, but they will gaze at our beautiful Savior whose arms are still outstretched for them. Would you pray with me this morning? Our God, we ask that you would open our hearts that we might be aware of your presence in our lives. Some of us, our Lord, are living in caves and going through struggles and circumstances that are overwhelming. May you remind us that even in those dark places, you are our light and you are our salvation. You are the stronghold of our lives. And may we take courage in you. And as we dwell in your presence, may you open our eyes to see you in all your beauty. And may our lives beautifully express the love, the mercy, the grace, the goodness of the God who loves us. We pray this in the name and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.